Welcome to LabCast. This is a podcast brought to you by MedLab Congo. It's a podcast where we discuss every and anything medical laboratory science. Stay tuned bi-weekly on all podcast streaming platforms and do well to subscribe. Follow us on all social media pages at MedLab Congo. Enjoy the episode. Many Nigerian students will relate to the saying that school is a scam. But how true is it? Is it even true? Well, welcome, dear listeners, to the second part of the Academic Excellence episode. As you may rightly recall, we were having a discussion with MLS Charles Okafor, MLS Kamsi Moka, and MLS Ashobon Ayoyinka about what academic excellence is, the nitty gritties, and the benefits. Without further ado, I will let you enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you so much. So um one of the important factors that people usually say contributes to academic excellence is time management, proper time management. Uh you know, uh you all had classmates that uh, you gave the same lectures from the same lecturers and you had the same thing before her. Um, can you tell me what do you think uh, is the best way to manage time effectively? and deal with uh, procrastination that has really plagued many students. And also, how do one develop better study habits? Uh, Emily, I think I will go for that one. Um, thank you. So for me, <laughs> procrastination was my biggest issue as an undergraduate, weirdly. So what helps me? Because at every point in time, I'd try to realign myself. I'll try to put things in place. And when I see myself procrastinating, I'll try to, you know, realign myself, try to put myself in place also. So um, I think Mr. Okafo mentioned something about, you know, getting the handouts and like course um, materials ahead of time. It's not something I did. But what helped me was I always... Yeah, I think I always try to, you know, realign myself, actually, when I see myself, because a lot of students procrastinate, a lot of students like die hard minutes. I have tried that. Um, I have tried to read, you know, at the last minute, and it was honestly just God that took me through that exam. And I have also tried to read from the beginning of the semester, and I found myself lacking at some point, yeah. So for time management and procrastination, I think prioritizing is the biggest key that helped me yeah. prioritizing was the biggest key i had other things to do outside of school but i also always made sure that okay my books came first my studies came sorry not first after my fellowship year but it was very important for me yeah my studies came on the top of that list also and you know, in a 24-hour day, I'd make sure that I always dedicated at least four hours, whether to read, you know, it, it was either to read a material related to the class or if just a material related to MLS. Yeah, so sometimes in 300 level, I found myself reading things on, you know, gene experts for tuberculosis and just that I wanted to keep my brain active. I wanted to keep my, myself, you know, active 
academic wise in quotes yeah so it wasn't just always school books for me but i made sure that at in every day i did something school related so that's what helped me yeah in every day i made sure to do something school related i made sure that i would set aside time so for me it was at least three hours i was going to spend at least three hours to read something school related and i would like it was not every day that i did that at least three hours yes some days i'd be very tired or i'd get overwhelmed by other extracurricular activities but it was i think for me it was a non-breakable rule it was a rule that i know that i had to stick to so even days that i felt um or days that i fell off i'd make sure that the next day i'd pick it up at least three hours so that's what helped with my procrastination that's what helped my time management and other things all right thank you for the answer uh emma let's come to what are your thoughts okay so for time management um I saw one quote somewhere that I have been in my head since my three. So it said, um, the bad news is that time flies. The good news is that you are the pilot. So you have, everybody has 24 hours. So it's whatever you make out of your 24 hours. So like um, like MLS has said, one of the biggest ways to deal with time management is setting priorities. And I won't talk about that since she has said everything that needs to be said about certain priorities. I would just like to add that you should also learn to say no. So a lot of times students get involved with a lot of things. To see this person is a majority here, and at the same time the person is president. This at the same time the person is this one. This why those things are good. They are very good, but then you should be able to strike a balance between your academics and those other extracurricular things and then you learn to say no when you cannot meet all those things you don't have to agree to every appointment oh will you be here by 12 yes we be here but you don't have to agree to everything so you can say no and then um study time for your study and the second question that I talked about how to develop good study habits um, I would say for me, it's being able to marry your when, your where, and your how. So for when, I mean when to study, where to study, and how to study. So for someone like me, I am a night worker. <laughs> in, in, in parentheses, I was that in God, in quotes. So yeah, I like to, I, I always stay up very late, even when I'm not studying, like on a normal day. So because of that, why do I use it for something useful? So I used to attend night classes a lot. But then I, I believe that it doesn't work like that for everybody. Some persons do not like these kind of things. So you should know when you assimilate more and try to stick to what works for you. Then for where, I do not like to read the libraries. I feel it's too quiet. And because it's too quiet, I would sleep off. So I like where there's little drama, little news. They would always be too drama in night classes. <laughs> so I, that's I like. I like to read there. And so after after reading for a while, I get to talk to somebody or do something. But then for some other persons, they they do not like any distraction whatsoever. So you need to understand um what works for you, how to read. And I think for how to read, this is where the biggest problem is for most persons. I've seen my classmates that. I went to class with, I read together with, and they got withdrawn. 
and I don't believe it's because they were not reading. I believe it's because maybe they were not reading right. And I noticed that some students, I don't know, it might work for some persons, but for some persons like me, um, I would describe myself as a slow um, assimilator. So I do not really, things don't really stick to my head. Very, they stick very fast, but then I forget them very quickly. So because I forget them very quickly, I have to do a lot of reading. So that's why, like um, Mr. Like MLS Okaf said, you have to start very early. So that's why I start really early to so that by the time exam is closed, I would have read that particular thing like three times and I'm on my fourth reading. Yeah, so that's why I do that. I repeat reading a lot and I feel this saying that repetition makes one a matter is very true. So in knowing how to read, for me, I take notes while reading. I write a lot, so I make jottings a lot. And some persons have walked up to me that, oh, it takes time, they cannot make jottings. Why don't they just read? I'm like, if it works for you, fine. But if it's not working for you, you can try jotting things down. It helps you, it sticks better. And even if you're repeating whatever you saw in material, like for me, my jotter was more comprehensive than my notes and any other material because it's like a compilation of the test book, the notes and everything. So. Before exam, my classmates would usually come and photocopy my jotters. So it, it takes time for me to make up those jotters, but then the information there was very, very helpful. So I feel like if you're that kind of person, then you could actually take notes while reading. Then you should also take breaks while reading. So persons would read for, then had a roommate. She doesn't really go to class or read like that, but the day she would go, it's going to be 10 hours max. <laughs> And I'm not joking, I'm serious. And then she will come and then see the next week again. So I, for me, I don't think that's an effective reading habit. In my, in my work for her, I don't know, but I don't think it's effective. I feel like it's better you read one hour daily, two hours every day, than to read 10 hours in a stretch for a week and then until the next two weeks again. So for me, when I was in school, I used to read at least, I made sure I read at least an hour every day. But most days I read more than an hour, but at least an hour every single day. And then I take breaks between my reading because normally I do not like to sleep at night. So because I do not like to sleep at night, I stay up most times all through the night. So because of that, it may seem like I was reading throughout the night, but then I used to take breaks. I may read for an hour and then the next 20 minutes, I'll turn on my phone and do other things. And then I'll put up my phone back and go again for another hour. So that's how I used to read. And it worked for me. It helped me refresh my head every time I took a break. So, yeah, I think that's my answer for the questions. All right. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Um, Mr. Charles, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think uh, both of them have discussed uh, this extensively. And I, I think uh, I and Kamsi have the same pattern of studying to an extent, not even to an extent, almost everything. So, but what I want to bring out extra is um, in terms of time management, is doing my own time. At what I do, I don't read in at night, but I will do wake up very early. Let's start by eight, so I will leave my room by six, and I go to a place to read. And I don't sleep in the night without reading all the notes for the day. And that will make me not to go and pile them up to be read another time. 
So that is for me in terms of time management. And when it comes to studying, they've discussed extensively on studying. But I want to say something. Since we are merging academic excellence with a high CGPA, many students do not know how to answer exam questions. For example, in UNEX, most of questions, most of the exams from second year to final year are essay exams. If you don't know how to attack an essay, no matter what you have read, you will still fail. Because sometimes when I'm marking students' scripts, I, you know, when I'm marking an essay, it's not like an MCQ. In marking essay, you score subjectively. That is, you finish reading, you score them based on how convinced you are or how happy their answers have actually given you the, the much comfort or consolation the answer, how the answer came. Some of my colleagues do mark their, the essay of students having textbooks by themselves, by their side or having their notes by their side. But I mark reading and enjoying what you are writing. I learned essay writing as a skill in undergraduate. And it's something most students do not do. And you just enter an example. They'll ask you for an example. Define or write extensively on um, flame photometry. You just give me a definition of flame photometry and that ends it. No, now, you should talk about, explain flame photometry. Talk about the parts of flame photometry, the mechanism of operation of a flame photometry, pros and cons of using a flame photometry. And just yeah. by the time you have finished writing, anybody really needs to just do nothing. So, learning how to write essay is another part of an academic excellence student when it comes to making a good CGPA. Because even if you have it off head, but you cannot develop a good essay, you need to learn how to answer essay questions. Go and meet a senior colleague who is doing well in answering essay and ask them how do you attack questions? How, how do you attack exam questions? You ask a student a question that is 15 marks, the students will just write 10 lines. Where will you start scoring? An essay should have an introduction, it should have a body, and it should have a conclusion. By the time you, you as a lecturer is done reading it, it will holistically make you to say, ah, this student is a 15 over 15 student, or 8 over 15, or 10 over 15. So learning how to write essay while studying is a part of pursuing academic excellence, or is a good way, or a good pattern of study. I always tell my students, I answer, I write exams two times. I don't know if Mr. Man had me say, I write exams outside of the hall, then I write a second exam inside of the hall. The first one is one I do while studying. I'm practicing essay writing and knowing the loopholes in my essay. The second one is in the hall, while I politically arrange them like an artist presenting an artwork. Thank you. Interesting. Um, there's been a lot to take down from all that you said, um, but I also wanted to just add, you know, just as a way to supplement some of the things you said, uh, because of course, with the advent of, I don't know if you heard about Chat GPT now. Recently, I saw a friend who does a kind of tutorial for students here, and he he recently had this um, 
session, if I can call it that way, on how, how to use ChatGPT to aid medical learning, right? So you said it could be used for creating multiple choice questions. It could be used for creating flashcards. It could be used for a couple of a couple of things. I mean, it's amazing what the AI can do, right? But I wanted to ask, in your own time as students, and even now that you're still, I mean, you're learning every day, how have you leveraged technology and digital resources to to enhance your academic performance and to help you stay organized? Is there anything you can share with people out there? Because I mean, everything is tech or technology right now. So for a lot of people are using it to help them learn. So is there any way, is there anything you did during your own time as well to aid your learning? So let me start with Kamsi this time. Kamsi. Okay. See, yeah, I, if, if you check my phone, one of the tabs that you'd always see recurrently is Google. So Google is my friend. I use it a lot. So I know this chat GPT recently came up and I've also been using it. And I think the difference is that a lot of people do not, they, a lot of students are very lazy. So they just copy and paste. And I think that behavior was in, is instilled in us from school or was instilled in us, I mean, from school. So in my research, when I was doing my research, I never knew that or what I was doing was, was not research. Because I, I thought I was referencing, oh, because I was referencing, then I could just copy and paste. It was when I now started working for people, writing academic articles, I now understood what that meant. So I think students are very lazy and they do not like to, to um, research for information. So these things are good, right? But they could either be used constructively or destructively. So I recently saw another post where a graduate student that had secured a fully funded scholarship was turned down because they went back and after vetting the application, they saw that the applicants had used Chad GPT to write his personal statements and he's from Nigeria. So that's another bad thing that they've given to us. So, but I think if he had used it constructively in the sense that you get the vital points in it and restructure it in his own words, with his own idea, and add other points to it. So, yeah, technology is a blessing, but we just have to learn how to use it. And I would say I used technology a lot as an undergraduate. If I was not understanding something in my textbook, I would Google it or I would watch it on YouTube, and then it helped me to understand better, and it's still helping me now. So, yeah. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Kamsi. Think about you. Um, so for me, technology has technology is good. It's just that it comes with it has to come with discipline, yeah. And I even noticed that because sometimes I'll be on Chrome and I'll just get distracted. And before I close my eyes and open it, 30 minutes has gone and what I was searching for wasn't even the tab I was on. But for studies, I have gained a lot from technology from the youtube classes to i remember my biochemistry classes Kant's academy was was the youtube class to go to Kant's academy um to google to the even coursera yes coursera has helped me a lot yeah so i just think that it has to come with a measure of discipline to be honest 
technology has its advantages. It's textbooks can only be, you know, updated every now and then. You know, it would still contain, it won't sorry, it won't contain some updated methods, some updated information here. But technology, Google, Google is my best friend. Um, a friend was going through my phone one day when I complained about how much my data had run out. And she noticed that it was even Google I spent my most data on, not even Netflix or one of the film apps. And I'm like, yes, actually, I like to search for information a lot. That's like my favorite thing to do on Google, just search for random things, yeah. So I think um, academically wise, technology has helped. It helps to simplify because some lecturers don't exactly know how to explain things. I have a lecturer that's, reads from her handout so if you if you have a handout you honestly know exactly what the woman is going to say in that class no offense like you know the exact what she's going to say you know the phrases she's going to say you know when she's going to mention her full stop or her comma you know every single thing but when i needed explanation from things she taught us it was google i went to next or um or youtube yeah that I went to next, or even there are these flashcards that help. I think um, Muiwa mentioned is there are these flashcards that um, flashcards, sorry, that help. So those were my next two stop when I needed explanation on certain things. So it's just that it comes with discipline. It comes with. I mean, YouTube is very versatile. You can literally search for anything. So you just have to discipline yourself and be like, okay, I have this time set aside for so 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 knowledge and all and this is what i'm going to do at this certain point so yeah um <laughs> that's my opinion on it thank you all right thank you for the responses to that question it was expensive so i wanted to ask for you personally what are the challenges and setbacks you've encountered in you know pursuing academic excellence and how were you able to maintain motivation and momentum in those moments. Um MLS comes to please go first. Okay, so I think one of the challenges I I faced was not getting the grades that I expect during an exam. And then for some of my classmates they feel they felt I was selfish or greedy because um my results will come out and then I'm having a 65 and I'm crying. <laughs> and everybody's like, ah, you're crying. Look at this stupid girl. Okay, like my fam my um, pharmacology, I had 69 and I cried a lot. I cried a lot because the effort I put into that exam, I was expecting a serious A. <laughs> and then there was no place for me to even go to to, to report because I went to the off the lecturer. She chased me out and all of that. So, But then my classmates were all angry they like I should get out they just they discarded all my mental health that day <laughs> so but then those are the issues so not getting what you expect and for me I think it's being able to just forget about it and move on so I've had an exam where I wrote especially I'm saying this for people that after exams they like to discuss their exams so I've had an exam where I wrote and then I came out and as usual I was with some of my friends in medicine and other departments and they were asking and that was protein metabolism they were asking questions and then I was uh, we're all interacting and all the things I was saying you know that situation where somebody's answer is five and then you're getting minus 180 and then I was like and it kept 
almost every question they asked, it was sounding like I was saying something very different from what they said. And I was just trying to hold back my tears where we were. Then when I go back home, I cried. I cried a lot. I thought I had failed the exam. And it really affected me in my next exam because I had an exam the next day. I could not read well. I was just thinking about all the things and everything. But then the result came out and I had 95. And that's the highest score I've ever had in any of my exams. So, but then these are the issues most students face. So, and I also had my first year. So I think for people that, that, that things get to them easily, you should avoid having those discussions because it should really dampen your feelings and drain you that you wouldn't have the energy to read for the next exams. So that's how, for me, how I deal with failure not really failure, but not having, not meeting my expectations. I just try to wave it aside, talk to somebody that I feel good talking to. And then I like shawarma, so I'll buy myself shawarma or ice cream. And then I forget about it and just keep my head up at what's forward. So I think that's a major challenge I faced. Okay, another challenge was Sapa because that one is constant. <laughs> I was always wanting money. <laughs> because money was not enough for me i like to eat a lot not really eat i don't like to eat food food but then i was always eating things that because i didn't have time to cook so i was always spending money buying food and that made me broke <laughs> so yeah i think those are the issues thank you <laughs> thank you for that that just reminded me of an experience i had a course in school biostatistics so the result came out I did my best to prepare for this exam. I went for extra lessons. I bought tests. What did I not do? And when the result came out, my stage was missing. And after somewhat back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, there was a second result. And I had a D in that course. It was like the most horrible day in my life that month. And it wasn't easy, really. But like you said, one of the things that helped is like, just forget it. Although I'm still praying that low key, low key. Something is done eventually because it really, really dealt with my CGPA. Anyway, I mean, I think after let us hear you tell us your challenges, you know, obstacles, and how you were able to maintain momentum. Okay, thank you. So, some of my major challenges were probably time management, and I know I have spoken about time management. I know that I had, because I involved myself in a lot of extracurricular activities, um, being an executive. Um, also fellowships here. Um, but another thing was, like MLS Kamsi said, picking yourself up. So disappointments, basically. When I had C's, I remember when in 100 level, so they told us that we couldn't cross over to the College of Medicine if we had like a D or a C. And I had a C in a four-unit course. And I was like, okay, this is the end of my medical school and all of that. I haven't even got into medical school and I was already saying this is the end. But during the course of my five years, I had a lot of disappointments. Just, and coming from a family of high achievers, I know I mentioned that earlier, brothers with 4.9 GPA, I'm like, okay, so how am I meant to, you know, meet up? But I really just, anytime I face the disappointment, I would, I would, you know, pick myself up, dust off, you know, have community that cheers me on, basically. I had a very supportive community around me. That was some Way I had to um, overcome that. I had a very um, supportive community around me. And, you know, just dust myself up and go again for the next exam, go again, basically. 
So that was it. Just time management and disappointments. Those were my major disappointments. All right. Just to take you in on what you just said now, um, you said something about extracurriculars, and that's, that's really the next question we're about to ask. So looking back, would you say it was a plus or minus for you, briefly, engaging in all these extracurricular activities? of say it was a plus for me because it developed me in some way to be honest yes i know that i'm able to stretch myself to an extent i know that i'm able to achieve certain things to an extent yeah so yeah it was a plus but there were various times to be honest there were various times where it seemed like a minus there were various times that I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. And it affected my schooling. It affected some of the classes I was not able to attend because I had to come through as an ESCO in my fellowship year. But in general, the totality of it, to be honest, it was a plus for me. Extracurricular activities, not just school, to be honest, try to develop yourself in different ways. It was a plus for me. All right, thank you very much. Mr. Charles, what do you think about, about extracurriculars? Is it a plus or a minus? Extracurricular activities will always remain a plus for me. In my third year, I was a member of the ACG House of Prep, representing my department. I was a, I was a fellowship A school in NAFEMS, as well as a fellowship A school in Catholic Charismatics. And uh, it actually helped me to develop myself and build myself when it comes to a good time management. Then in my fourth year, I also became a leader in the fellowship that is Catholic Charismatic. And like one of us rightly mentioned, I had the boldness to say no to a leadership coming from NAFEMS. But all this extracurricular activity built me in school. I taught, I do tutorials in school. I taught metab, that is biochemistry and biostatistics so sometimes on saturdays i'll be teaching people biochemistry for four or five hours and same things attributed to biostats so those moments built me in terms of teaching and lecturing and that was why it made me to cope when i was later appointed as a lecturer in the university of nigeria in the campus so my extracurricular activity of tutorials and uh, being a fellowship leader built me emotionally, psychologically, even to what I am doing currently. Because it has a way it helps me to learn what people are coming to tell me about their challenges and I can be able to as well give back to them. So it's always a plus. Yeah, thank you very much. So I believe that you, you would say it's a plus, or even if you say it's a minus, it's two against one. <laughs> so let me just ask, what extracurriculars would you advise that would not be, because I guess that it could also be a minus, right? But which ones would you advise that would be a plus for students? Okay. So I think um, for me, I joined the debate club and I wish I did those things early. So my first year to my third year was mostly academic academics. So it was my fourth year. I joined the debate club. 
And okay, from my second year, I had served in fellowships, but then my fourth year, I also became president. And then Millennium Fellowship came up. So yeah, and then there was Enactus. I joined Enactus. I joined Impact Leaders Club. I did those things in my fourth year. And then those are the examples of clubs you can join. But I just want to say something about extracurricular activities. So I have been applying to schools. And one of the schools I applied to was Oxford. And in my interview, they kept referring to my community engagement and leadership. So they kept referring to those things. They even left what was the bone of contention. I kept referring to those things. And I saw how I was scored. I got the admission, but I'm yet to hear about my funding. So I saw how I was scored. I was scored really, really high on my leadership. So I'm just trying to say that it's very important. So as much as we pursue academic excellence, we should also pursue other extracurricular things yeah thank you all right great Kamsi. so mr charles back to you now what extracurriculars would you advise two or three that you could mention i always mention leadership then uh, join a voluntary club so that um, you have a way of uh, boosting your cv like Kamsi mentioned it helps in scholarships I advise most of my students to go into anything that will make them do some voluntary activities. That's a very, very good plus when you're applying for programs in UK and the US. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you so much for your answer. So quickly, um, so how do you seek out opportunities for growth and learning beyond the classroom, such as uh, in research and internships? How do you seek out opportunities outside the core world? Okay, yeah. How you seek out opportunities is research and interest because if you're not interested, nobody will come to your doorstep and drop all of these opportunities. So you need to, outside of the four walls of the classroom, use Google very well. Type in scholarships in Google. Type in opportunities in Google. Look out for groups where you can get information as regards sponsorship, as regards how to prepare for new scholarship programs, as regards how to engage in research and publications. Interest, interest, interest. I keep on mentioning it. If you don't have interest, you will not even do anything. But when you have the interest, you seek out for where the opportunities are. And the best way to get this opportunity is to ask Google. Then within your classmates network, a good networking opens a lot of doors that so many people do not know. No one is an island. And if you're an island, you can't do much in life. Even when Jesus came, he has to call 12 men to work with him. You have to work with men in order to be among the men. Thank you. Amelis Kamsi, what are your thoughts? Okay. Um, now that that's this time, I'll, I go completely with um, what Mr. Charles said. Yeah aligning your interest with the information you have available because of course not every opportunity is for you so you should choose that that aligns with your goals and your interests and you can do that by looking out for opportunities joining groups networking with the right people yeah so that's my take all right thank you thank you for that so i want to ask a follow-up question because we've said a lot really I wanted to know in all of these in your journey so far, did mentors play any role or 
do I paraphrase this question like this? What role do you think mentors play in achieving academic excellence? One, the two roles that mentors play is they play the role of a support system when it comes to that, and support system when, uh, in the area of advice, in the area of uh, letting you know where they fail so that you will not fail in those areas, in the area of asking you to stand up even when you think uh, you are failing, and letting you to see the light even at the end of the tunnel when you cannot see it as a person. So they play the role of support. And the second role they play is the role of networking because some of the mentors have actually gone ahead. They see some opportunities that you cannot be able to see. So when they see these opportunities, they let you know about the opportunities and uh, that gives you an edge to apply. Because if you do not get the information from your mentor, you may not have the knowledge about the opportunity. And also, they do the work of, uh, I use the word, covering. They have a way they shield you from external forces. Some of the students I mentored, or I'm still mentoring in University of Nigeria Enugu campus in my department, I know how I shielded them from forces that they do not even know we are coming. Even to the detriment of my job at some point. But because of time, I won't go into details of it, but they have a way of shielding you, even without you knowing from external arrows that would have shot you down. Because they will be in the place of decision making and because they know they are, who their mentors are, they will take, they will join force to take decisions that will benefit their mentees positively and in a good way. Because Nigerian system is filled with sadists. I have to say this, but um, the good ones will always be helped to rise. Thank you. I, I agree with you, sir. And I also want to publicly thank you for the mentoring effort that you put at the University of Nigeria. I mean, I'm one of the beneficiaries. You weren't exactly my mentor, but like I told you once, one of the speeches you gave at our welcome special really warmed my heart. So thank you so much, sir. Emile, Samsi, would you like to add anything to that, the role of mentors? Yeah, I think um, in your pursuit to, uh, to academic excellence, mentorship is very pivotal. So most of the things I have been able to achieve, um, I could do that because I got the right information and I got the right guidance. So I think you, you could always reach out to those people that are ahead of you that are already doing well and I mean if you be careful who you choose to reach out to because in my year two when I was just entering college there was one senior colleague then I, I was just hearing him talking was tell, talking to a group of young students like a group of new year two students and I was one of them that this um, lipid profile lipid chemistry but I'm sure of lipids but they know they passed them more Say just carry your money like this. Keep no stress yourself. No matter what you write, you like read. They know they pass them. And that, that's what the guy was saying. And a lot of my classmates bought it. <laughs> but then, thankfully, I had um, good people around me. My my cousin was my senior colleague, and he was very 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 played a very huge role in my academics. So and then they were able to to talk me out of all these things I had because. 
imagine coming to, to a college and that's the first thing you're hearing. You kind of put a lot of fear in us. And then there was this plenty talk about gross anatomy. So I just feel having the right mentorship would calm your nerves and would help you, would, would set you on the right track. They would give you information. They would help you avoid the mistakes that they made. Yeah. So I think they are very important. Interesting. You know, um, I think, Mr. Ba, we are both mentees of um, one of our mentors. And there's one thing he usually says that mentors, they counsel, they challenge, and then they connect you. So yes, you can never underestimate the, the impact that mentors have on our lives. So, um, so I don't know. Any last words? I think we're coming to a close for this episode um, of, of LabCast. So do you have anything you would, you'd like to say, any one of you, to those of us who are still, you know, in school, struggling and trying to make, trying to put in the work to achieve academic excellence? Any last words, quickly? Amalashinka, would you like to go first? For me, academic excellence is worth it. A good CGPA is worth it, to be honest. A first class is worth it. I feel like the craze of school has come, school has come. We shouldn't subscribe to it. And it's something I'm still telling myself. Don't subscribe to it. Yes, be curious. Yes, um, you know, invest yourself in various other things. You know, invest yourself in business, in every other thing you're interested in. But still, stay the course get the academic excellence, be good in school, you know, strive to be the best. All right, Kamsi, any last words? Okay, so I, I would just like to say that I feel like a lot of people can talk down things they cannot be or things they cannot um, achieve. So I've heard a lot of people say first class, eh, school, NASCAM, blah, blah, blah. I was reading comments on some of the blogs that posted me. I thought a lot of people were saying some things uh, like, oh, after everything, I hear school, just do first class, all these things. So I feel like if you have passion, if you have a vision, just pursue it. If you want academic excellence, pursue it to your life, listen to what people would say. And then for those that might have time to achieve or still struggling, I like to just tell them that um, success is not doesn't happen overnight. So success is not a miracle. It takes a lot of intentional and deliberate effort. And nobody was born um born with academic excellence. I know that intelligence can be passed down from parents offspring, but I don't think it's the same thing with academic excellence. So there's no chromosome that's carrying a gene for it. So you just need to, to just actively pursue it. If you can dream it, then just actively pursue it and go ahead with it. And then um, even if you started on a bad note, I just want to also say that a new day breads a new opportunity to start the game. So you can always start the game. It doesn't matter like what um if you listen to Mr. Charles, he mentioned about how he graduated best but with a two one and then went ahead to beat international students. So that's that's just the passion. That's the drive. So whether you have started on a bad slate or whatever, just keep at it. Keep striving to to um bring your dreams into fruition. Yeah, that's that's what I have to say. Wow. Thank you very much, Carson. Um, Mr. Charles, last words. Yeah, first I will say that school is not a scam. 
someone like me came from a very poor background, but it's actually academics that uh, has brought me to where I am currently. One secondly is that the fact that I pursued excellence in school encourage all my younger ones, and currently all of them are graduated, except for the one that, that is in College of Medicine, studying dentistry in UNEC in her fourth year. So school is not a scam. And my professor in school, Professor Chku, said that graduating from med lab is an LCM out of poverty. So school is not a scam. And academic excellence is something everyone needs to pursue. Because like we said in the beginning, it goes with a pride that will actually live with you to the end of your life and every of the endeavors you engage in after school. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Charles. And thank you to every guest that came. Thank you, Kamsi. Thank you, Anesinka. Um, um, this has been one very informative and engaging discussion for us. I mean, there's been a lot to take in. There's been a lot to take down. Um, there's been a lot to learn from, generally. Um, it's been a very, very enlightening episode, to say the least. And we hope it has also been as well for everyone who is listening to this. So if you have any questions or comments about this episode, please feel free to reach out to us. We are emailed medlabconvolabcast.gmail.com. You can also leave us any review on any of your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us to improve and helps us to bring you more content that you will enjoy. And yes, we recently started sending out newsletters to keep our followers updated on the latest releases and developments of this podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode or if you enjoy any of our content, please consider subscribing to our newsletters using the link in the description. Right? And don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just type in at MedLab Combo. We're going to get to uh, our landing page. Lastly, don't forget to tune into our next episode. You know, we'll be exploring another exciting topic. Um, so until then, stay curious and keep learning. Bye for now. <laughs>